Welcome to Just Beat Us, the podcast about the real side of living with type 1 every day. Your hosts are Millie and Jeline. This podcast is for anyone who wants to commiserate, swap war stories, and build a community of support around Just Beat Us. Hey, so this is Millie. And I'm Jeline. And you are listening to the Just Beat Us podcast. And this episode, we are going to talk a little bit about our careers and sort of what brought us to this point and how type one has affected our choices and also just sort of how it can interact and interfere at work because mm-hmm. keyword, Lord knows that happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So just a little history. Um, I waitressed throughout high school and, um, waitressing with diabetes is definitely an interesting experience that I think, uh, Jolene and I are going to share some war stories. Absolutely. Um, and then I went to college in New York city, which is again, an episode unto itself in terms of it being a disaster. (laughs) Um, but I studied music because, I've always been a singer and a songwriter, and when I was 16, I really, truly believed that I was going to be a pop star. Um, If anyone wants a CD that I released when I was 17, (laughs) I will happily mail them to you because I still have, I think, 300 copies that uh, I was a little overzealous in ordering. Um, Yeah, so I studied music in college, which is very practical, and... (laughs) Then sort of backed off um, when I graduated. So I graduated um, and moved home with my parents because I had no idea what I wanted to do because that music degree was not really getting me a lot of opportunities. Um, I waitressed for two years full time and I was in a band. And um, so when I was like 24, I sort of decided that I either wanted to get a desk job because I didn't think that I could really like support myself or have insurance without that or move to LA to be a pop star and live with my aunt and give that like another four years before I was kicked (laughs) off my parents insurance. Very practical, very practical. Um, Yeah, so I interviewed for a couple jobs, and I gave myself a deadline of January, and mid-December, I got a job offer being a customer service rep at, like, a fairly basic desk job in Boston, and I took it. Where were you living when you got the job in Boston? I was still living with my parents, um, so it was, like, an hour commute into the city, Okay, um, and I did that for a couple months. This was, like, a very entry-level job like dirt pay. So I saved up for a little while and then I got an apartment by myself, um, just outside the city. And that was like such a great living experience. It was like the first time I'd ever lived by myself. Um, but yeah, I was just so poor, but I had my own benefits. Like, yeah, (laughs) this was like such a big deal for me to like, I didn't want to be a burden on my parents at the time. Um, in retrospect, I kind of wish that I had like, not necessarily stuck it out, but like taking more advantage of those four years where like insurance was a given from 22 to 26, but I didn't. And so since then I have worked at a desk job 
steadily getting better and higher quality positions that I hated less. So that's good. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to just answer random customer service phone calls anymore. Um, That's a plus. Yes. I like my job a lot better. But I do feel like having type 1 has like affected what I decided to do and not necessarily like taken the chances that I wanted to take because I didn't think that they were responsible enough for someone who has diabetes. Yeah, I can completely relate to that. Yeah. Not that I necessarily would have made it as a pop star, but I feel like I could have pursued music a little bit longer. Um, And, you know, like I was good. I feel like we're so quick to put ourselves ourselves down when like we really should be building ourselves up and it's like why not right why not at least try yeah and then there's the psychology of like did I move away from music because I was afraid of failing and like diabetes is a better excuse than that I guess we're gonna get really into my psychology very quickly (laughs) in this episode Um, I'm ready (laughs) Yeah, but I just, what if I had tried and it didn't work out? And, like, what would failure look like then? And, you know, would I be living with my parents when I was 28 instead of 23 and moving out? And I don't know. I just feel like there's this extra level of cost and pressure associated with diabetes. And, like, having insurance is such a big deal. Like, you see it in the news a lot more now even than, like, back in the day of people will ration insulin and die. Like, like it it's can be a life so or death ser- situation. It's so, it's gotten so serious. Like the fact that that's a real thing. Like you're not taking insulin, like, oh, like if I'm only 250, you know, I, I don't have to correct right now. I'll wait or eat like anything that you're doing to ration the insulin. It's, yeah, should not, that should not even be a, a thought process. Right. Actually, so like three years ago, I switched what company I was working for. So I went from one pretty standard nine to five to another much better nine to five. Um, But I didn't know really what the lapse was going to be. So I happened to be sort of at the end of my prescription for insulin and then didn't realize that that my new insurance kicked in like 30 days after I started. So I did, I didn't eat carbs for that month because I was like, I have, two vials which should be fine but I don't want to go crazy and I had to sort of like barter with the HR people to like backdate my my employment a little bit because the rules were really weird so it wound up being fine but it was like I didn't even think about this I just assumed that you start a new job and you just get insurance because it was the only time I switched jobs in my adult life so how has your like what's your typical type one day look like with your office job Do you bring your own food to work? Do you guys have like a cafeteria? Do you like, how do you go about your day? Yeah. So it's pretty routine at this point. Like I make myself breakfast at home. I pretty much just eat eggs. Um, and then I'll either bring leftovers. Uh, my husband's really good about meal prep. I'm not, he's really good about making sure I'm fed so I don't get hangry. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I'll either bring lunch or we do have a cafe right there, which is nice. Um, So I can like, I'll usually get a salad or something supposedly healthy. (laughs) Occasionally I'll go 
out to lunch. But for the most part, I mean, I have a sedentary lifestyle. I sit at my desk for most of the day. I do have a standing desk, but I have the option to sit or stand and I sit most of the day because I'm lazy. So I don't fluctuate that much at work. So like it's fairly easy for me, um, much less easy, I'm sure, than like waiting full time. Like your days must be crazy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because Jalene waitresses five minutes away from where I work. So I'm like, I got to come in on my lunch break and <laughs> visit you. Yeah. I can't believe you haven't yet, actually. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a crazy week, right? I did have a crazy week, more of a crazy day. Again, I use the Omnipod. So I don't know. I, I have heard of people having like bad batches of insulin pumps because I've been having an unusual amount of error alarms lately. And I picked up this shift today. It's it's a Monday and I worked a lunch shift and I had, I, this is like my sixth day in a row on top of doubles and all weekend. And I just was like, okay, this is going to be like a laid back Monday. Like I can organize the bar. I can just kind of stroll in and you know, it's not going to be crazy. I was very wrong. Right. Who goes to lunch on Monday? Like I was very <laughs> wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking to myself, is there a holiday? Go- is there a holiday I don't know about? Like what is going on in this town? Why is there so many people coming in? And I know to be busy is something I shouldn't complain about because it's good to be busy, but right around prime time, like 12, 17 PM, my pods started going off. And I had an occlusion error and I, I had to just run to my bag really quick and stop that obnoxious beep only to rip it off, throw it in the trash. And then I was like, okay, I, I don't even have two seconds to put on a new pod. And I do bring back up with me to work every single time. I've learned my lesson way too many times to not do that. So if that can be a lesson to anyone, like... Even if you think, you know, you're good for the day or it's been on for 24 hours or whatever, like you have to plan for the unexpected because there's too many times where the unexpected happens and I'm just a mess. Right. I mean, I just ripped my, I accidentally ripped my pump side out at work the other day and was like, well, I guess I have to go home. Like, cause I don't have extras on me, which I should like, yeah, (laughs) because I mean, you, you expect it to work. Right. But like in, in this, in this profession too, it's like, someone's like, oh, you know, why didn't you just say like, I have to run to the bathroom or I have to, I have to take care of this. And as much as I appreciate my coworkers being supportive and saying that, like, I literally did not have two seconds to find someone to give a rundown of where I am in my day, to explain my situation, to leave my area for that amount of time to put on a new pot. It sounds ridiculous, but it's the truth. I feel like a minute in waitress time can make or break you. Oh, 100%. It can truly ruin your day. You have questions about the menu. One minute. You have questions about the menu. You are okay. You just, you're killing me right now. Right. Like (laughs) that table left because I didn't wait on them. All of the food is cold. Like it, it spirals really quickly. And as a waitress, like you have this running list of priorities in yes, your head. It's a running checklist 
and like at it all shifts times. all the time. So it's like, okay, what was first priority? Like now food's up. That's first priority now. And I always said that like I'm a much better worker in general because of my history of waitressing because you can do that reprioritization on the fly. But I think it's like because you care about your customers and you care about people having a good experience, like your pod didn't bump the rest of your list, you know? Yeah. Like for you, it should have, but like you I, give a shit about your job. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, all, so I went to school. Um, we obviously will dive into college years in another episode. Um, but I went to school for four years and I did major in hospitality. And I still don't have a really clear direction of where I want to be with that, but serving and bartending and you know, human interaction and getting to know people, it feels good. Yeah. Like I like it. I like to make sure people are having a great experience. I, I want people to come back to see me specifically. And I think my age, obviously, you know, and doing this for so long has a lot to do with how I treat guests and that I do care. This isn't just, you know, getting me through school. This isn't, you know what I do on the side. It's not what I do for extra. Like this is what I do. Right. So yeah, uh, my pod, my pod ever and having no insulin for two hours took a back seat and cause, cause I had too much going on and I would sacrifice that before, you know, sacrificing other people's experience. Not to say in my head the whole entire time that people kept flooding into the restaurant, I was getting super resentful like, where, like where, where are people coming from? I just need to go to the bathroom. But like to just touch on that, like specifically those two hours of not having a pump on. Yeah, I had that running checklist in my head, but all I was thinking about was how I wasn't getting insulin. Yeah. And did you like, how did you feel? So it probably was about two hours and I, I finally ran to the bathroom and um, filled up a pod and put it on my arm I was like, oh, crap. Like, I didn't feel the prick as opposed to the gunshot wound in my stomach that I felt the night before (laughs) when I put one on my stomach. And I was like, oh, this, you know, maybe that's why there was an error. It definitely felt a thousand times more painful than I've ever felt an insertion. It was really bizarre. Whenever I have a super painful sight, I'm like, well, there goes that. Might as well rip it out now. Like, that's not going to (laughs) work. I don't know what it hit, but it wasn't good. Yep. It's, but sometimes I'm like, ooh, maybe it got like maybe it got under there. Like that that's probably a good well, one. And I'm like, that's money. I'm gonna try it. I'm like, yeah, wasting the insulin. It's like it's so frustrating. So I don't know. I'm assuming that had something to do with it. So I put a new one, changed the site, put it on my arm, went back out to the, to my bar, checked my blood sugar really quick. Um it's funny because I had had it on my stomach and put it on my arm and then I got like three questions right off the bat. Like as soon as I walked back out of the bathroom, it was, oh, is that that thing that checks your blood sugar? Is that a smoking patch? Is that <laughs> you know, like, and um, my blood sugar actually was 195. So I was very wow. surprised. Yeah. That's like, I mean. For not having it for two hours. Two hours. <laughs> Yeah. So I was like, okay, gave myself a correction and just went about it. And I was like, 
it was just instant relief actually to see to see the numbers because I was expecting like two ninety five, not one ninety five. Right. Right. And then having to deal with it kind of for the rest of the day because you have this lag where exactly you should have had two hours peaking for like the next two hours and it's just well and my mental state like in those two hours everyone I waited on I looking back on it it's like oh did I rush them was I was I too fast paced because I was like you know just waiting for that moment where I had like a free three minutes to just rush into the bathroom and change my pump you're trying to get through the running list in your head and people keep adding stuff onto it and it's like can you just get through it? So Can't you can catch deal up. with yourself. Yeah. That in the weeds feeling. Oh, yes. <laughs> so satisfying when you get through it, though. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Like putting a new pump site on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I've always served and bartended. Even throughout, like, right after school, I started at a restaurant uh, in my hometown. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm just going to do this through the summer until I, until I find something. Uh, and I, I moved out actually right after college. I think I only lived with my parents for about a month before I moved out. And looking back kind of and referring back to what you said about kind of taking advantage of those years where you did have your par- parental support and um, no rent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Critical. I, I definitely wish I took more more advantage of that as well. But... The independence and learning a little more about how I dealt with diabetes living alone too. Like it's pretty, it's pretty amazing and it feels pretty good like that independence. And when I actually switched over to the pump, I was living by myself. Wow. That's brave. That's like a lot to take. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, you have to set your alarm for midnight, 3am, 5am and 7am for your blood sugars, for the basal rates and Um, but I did it. Yeah. And you're like working at that point too. So it's not like, right. You have all of the time in the world to dedicate to figuring out your basils. It's like, you got to do that while you're dealing with work and everything. But I would definitely say like career wise as being a server and bartender for the past, you know, 10, 11 years, I feel like my days of work and my days off are so vastly different. It's a challenge. And the CGM has been such a blessing in that way to be able to like detect trends and also adjust on the fly and be able to see which way things are going when my schedule is so different. Yeah. And do you find that like, because you work a combination of lunch and night shifts, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do you find that that messes up your flow or your yeah. levels or anything? Yeah, because so for a lunch shift, I have to be there at 1030 and I am not a morning person at all by any means. I am working on it. I want to be a morning person. You know that 1030 <laughs> is like barely considered the morning, right? <laughs> it's a goal. Everyone's like 1030. That's my lunchtime. Right? I'm like, for who? No, I get it. It's totally what you're used to. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds pathetic when I say it out loud. But no, but you're up until like whatever. I mean, our my bedtime, like the time I go to sleep is honestly between one and two in the morning. Yeah. Because when I get home from work, it's like I still want that wind down. I probably haven't eaten. Yeah. I probably haven't, you know, drank water or like 
had just a second to myself to like be quiet and just like <laughs> right. relax. You're, you're amped up from your shift and then you need to like go through the whole process of like being ready to go to sleep or even think about being chill, you know? Right. So, I mean, I still get, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep, but my bedtime to wake yeah. up is probably a lot different than the norm. And it really is something I'm working on and working towards because I feel like when I get up at nine o'clock and, I, and I'm just getting in the shower and getting ready to leave to go to work, it's like, that's all I'm doing is getting up and getting ready to go to work. I don't take time for myself. And that's something that I just, I really want to work on. I want to work on a schedule for breakfast, you know, bringing my lunch to work. Cause where I work now, we're actually, we're not like allowed to order food there. It's so weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it is to me too. Cause all my other jobs, like we were allowed to. You're in a restaurant, there's food. And then when I walk back through the kitchen and I see everyone in the back of the house having gourmet meals that they cook for themselves I'm like you know I say some stuff under my breath and I <laughs> and just front of the house versus back of the house is a whole nother podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> completely unrelated to diabetes <laughs> but so we can order food but sometimes they do family meal when it's a bowl of pasta for everyone which it's a great family meal right a bowl of pasta. Yeah, <laughs> 85 carbs. Let me just bowl this for that real quick. And then like the end of the night, maybe I can order food, but it has to be before a certain time and I have to pay full price. So if I have to pay full price, but I can't eat it when I want to eat it, I don't want to pay full price. Right. You might as well go home and eat whatever's in your fridge. Right. So it's it's a struggle and I'm sure there's many of you out there going through the same thing. And I'm, I'm so curious as to how you, you deal with it. Cause where I work, it, it's, it's so nonstop and it's so busy that even if I brought my own food, which I, I tell myself I'm going to do that all the time. It's like, I still don't really have a second to, Wait, when could you eat it? Like when exactly? Yeah. And we don't have a microwave, which is like a good thing, you know, cause we don't microwave anything at the restaurant, but I'm like, well, but if I bring my food, how am I going to eat it unless right. it's a salad? You're like, I can bring like a sandwich. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, I definitely had times waitressing where you can't put your diabetes first. And like from a guest perspective and also from like a teamwork perspective, like there was one time, gosh, this is horrible, but I was, <laughs> I was I'm excited. I was waitressing on the Cape and I had gone to Martha's Vineyard or something. And so I was taking a ferry back and I was already late for my shift. And I like ran out of insulin, like in my pump. And I just went to my shift anyway. And I was like, I'll just, it'll just be like six hours, whatever. Like I can't show up late. Like I'm oh. friends with the people working. I'm not going to bail out. That is one thing that's nice about working at my office now is like I can leave if I have to yes I, I have client meetings I need to hold to but like for the most part if there's a crisis I can just leave right. I don't feel like you can do that in a no. restaurant setting like no you're not allowed to be sick you know <laughs> like if you're sick you have to find someone to cover your shift right and it's just that's like the mentality and it is if you don't do that you're screwing over your teammates. Like it, I just feel like it's very much a team sport in a restaurant like oh, that. Oh, 100%. I, uh, a couple, couple years ago on Easter, I was in the hospital 
and I was scheduled to work a double. And I was bawling my eyes out, calling my boss because I was like, I am on a double and, but I'm in the hospital and I'm so sorry. Like I just kept saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It was not diabetes related. I was, I was so sick. I had like a fever that wouldn't go away and I couldn't move my neck. My, my glands were so swollen that I, and I was in so much pain and they, they actually never, they were, they never found out what it was. They took some chest x-rays and other stuff other stuff that went on, but it, I mean, it was just apparently like a bad virus, but I was in the hospital for two days, but bawling my eyes out, crying, feeling so guilty about not being at work on a holiday because it was going to screw everyone else. Right. Like, and you don't want to do that to your coworkers. Yeah. If you have a conscience, then you, you automatically feel like a piece of shit no matter what. It's like, I feel like I had to prove, my, I had to prove that I was in the hospital and I, I was like, what do I do? Like, do I take a picture of myself and send it to someone? Like, right. And then like, what's your manager going to do? Like call someone who's like at Easter dinner. To, right. Like it was, it was horrible. You got to wrap up the egg hunt because you got to come in and cover <laughs> we need <a> shift. <laughs> like, Jillian yeah. says she's sick. Right. <laughs> you couldn't see the air quotes that I just did, but. <laughs> but you could hear them in your voice. <laughs> Your voice was dripping with air quotes on that. <laughs> but yeah, so it affects my job in a lot of ways. And um, there has been many a days where I've had total mental breakdowns on high blood sugars that won't come down, not being able to change my pump if it expires or is alerting or has an error. or And it's been, you know, this is all I've ever done and it's my comfort zone. But at the same time... Like now that I'm getting older and I feel like I, I want to break out of that somehow and I need kind of a, a clear path on what, what I want to do, but I don't, I definitely don't want to be a career server or a career bartender, which there's nothing wrong with that. The money is absolutely amazing and it's been the only way I've been able to live by myself for so long. I mean, I don't right now, obviously, but I lived by myself for years. And I couldn't do that working for twelve fifty an hour. Yeah, which is literally what I was getting paid when I got my first office <laughs> yeah. job. And it was like, okay, well, you can maybe get your own apartment, but you definitely can't have internet. You definitely can't have anything else. <laughs> you can't have food. You can have boxes of friends in the fridge. <laughs> and you can eat at your parents' house when you go to visit on the weekends. Yes. <laughs> um, I feel like nobody knows what they want to be when they grow up, even when we're already grown ass women. Like I feel relatively accomplished in my career, but it's not necessarily what I envisioned for myself Mm -hmm. or what I envisioned for myself moving forward. Um, And one of the reasons why I feel, feel like I wanted to start a podcast like this is that the older I get, the more I realize how much diabetes has affected me and like how big of a part of me it is. And that in my teenage years, my college years, all I wanted to do was reject it. And like, I feel like now it's like pulling me back and I feel better when I talk about it. And I feel better when I network with people who have it, like 
being able to like become friends with you and like have you as a resource to like talk about stuff with has been really great for me as an adult because I don't think I had that a lot growing up as a kid. A million percent. And like this network becomes like more and more appealing to me and I feel like it's more aligned with like my life mission now to like, I don't know, even just be involved in diabetes related things on like a recreational level, but also maybe it is that my career path like goes in some sort of like advocacy trajectory or whatever, or just getting involved. So I I guess I also have no idea (laughs) what I want to do. But there's no shame in like, there's no shame in that. I feel like, again, I'm, I'm so quick to criticize and put myself down when, you know what, I've actually supported myself for the past 10 years, half of it by myself, half of it with someone else. But, you know, when I got my own health insurance, like paying for all my own supplies, paying for my health insurance, like my mother will say, anything medical related, like, please let me know or put it on our credit, put it like my parents gave me a credit card that is theirs, that's an emergency. And I will never use that. Right. Like, I I don't need to. I don't want to. I don't want them to think that I can't support myself. I don't want them to be... I basically... I just don't want them to be worried. But sometimes, like, when I go to CVS and I have a $150 prescription or now my pumps, uh, my pods cost $285. If, If I don't have it, you know, not every prescription, but I will, you know take my mom up on that offer but I always call her and tell her and she's like I appreciate you letting me know she's like thank you she's like but anything medical Jillian she's like you don't ever have to ask or right like feel like it's a burden and I am very grateful and blessed and I know probably you know I know a lot of people probably don't have that cushion or I mean I don't know if I should call it a luxury but It is to me. Well, just knowing you have a safety net. Yeah. But it's also like, I, I don't want to be a burden on my parents, but it's also this diabetes is this weird burden that's been thrusted on me (laughs) that nobody else has to deal with and think about. So like it is, it, it's very relieving to know that you have that kind of safety net, but it also is frustrating to even be in a position where you feel like you would have to use it. Exactly. But that's, and that's exactly what my mom says though, what you said about, she's like, this is not something you did. This isn't something that, you know, was your fault. And in a way, like I'm, I'm, I'm not a mom, but I can't imagine how my mom feels having, I don't want to say a sick kid, but like, you know, having a kid that has a condition for this long and like all the burdens and trials and tests that it that it comes with on a daily basis. So I feel like for her, it's like if the least she can do is help me out with some prescriptions, it probably actually means more to her than it does to me. Right. She's probably really happy that yeah. she can help Thank you. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> Moms are the best. <laughs> um, but as far as like your, you know, your vision with advocacy and everything goes like, I'm 100% on that track and that's why when I feel like I go to work now, it's like I'm a little distracted because this has kind of become my passion and 
And I'm happy and excited about that. Yeah. It's good to have an outlet anyway, but I also think that the internet and social media and everything has given us so many more avenues to connect and like technology is changing diabetes in so many ways. Like it's changing it in CGMs and control, but it's also changing it in like bringing us together and like that as bringing type one as a community of people together. Right. And sharing stories and making people feel like they're not alone. And that I think is really valuable. And I think is only going to keep happening more. Like I've, yeah, I feel like I've only just realized, like I'm wicked late to the game, but like <laughs> I've just realized that there's like a bunch of people out there that I can talk to about this. What what I envision right now is people listening to this podcast and when we're making certain points or talking about like certain realizations is the people listening listening to this being like, oh, oh my God, I know. Right. Or like, oh my God, I, yes, that happened to me. And like, that's all I can hope for. And you know, if people know other type ones or they're trying to explain it to their friend or trying to explain it to a family member, you know, and can use us, then that's pretty awesome. Right. And that like, you are not alone. Like Mm -hmm. people share your experiences and yeah, I hope that nobody has ever gone to a waitressing shift for six hours with no insight. (laughs) But like, if you have girl, like I've been there. (laughs) (laughs) And it, it should never be. And if, if you have, you know, supportive management, my, like, my whole two hours of what I went through today was totally on me. And I didn't communicate with that with anybody because of probably, like, my pride and my stubbornness. But if I felt like I was truly in an emergency situation where I was like, oh, my God, I don't even have backup. Luckily, I live close to my work. I could be like, can you please just watch my section for... 20 minutes. I'll be right back. When I worked in Gloucester, um, but lived in a different city, I had that happen to me where I didn't have backup supplies and someone actually came in for me for an hour, watched my bar while I drove home, got my shit, put it together, put it back on, grabbed plenty of extra (laughs) (laughs) and drove back. And it, when I start new jobs everywhere new that I've started, including where I am now, it's, it's a hesitant thing to talk about because you don't want people to feel like you're inadequate. You don't want people to feel like you can't handle certain situations. You don't want people to baby you in any way or feel like they have to check in on you. But most of the time when they do that, like, they genuinely care. Yes. They, they're genuinely making sure that you're okay. And as hard as it is to accept... It's a good thing. Right. Well, and I feel like that's where the teamwork piece comes in. Like, just like you don't want to call in sick or ever let your coworkers down. That same commitment is what will make someone drive in and watch your bar for an hour. You know, like that is kind of the in the trenches teamwork that I feel like is nice about working in the hospitality industry. Yeah. Um, Not to say that I don't have teamwork relationships with my coworkers. I just feel like there's less at stake, but like everyone that I work with knows I have diabetes. Like mm-hmm. I'm very vocal about it. Um, and they're very curious and it's like nice. Th- I-, I personally love it when people ask me questions cause I, yeah. love, I love to talk about myself, obviously. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, you want to know about we diabetes? Both, we both do. Pull up a chair. <laughs> 
Um, so like I, I let me start lot. from 2001. Right. <laughs> How far back do you want to go? Um, yeah, but like I get a lot of questions and I feel like I am educating a lot of people at my job and I had one, one woman in my office who I worked with for probably a year who also had type one. And she was like, Oh, do you keep glucagon in the office? Like we can like watch out for each other if that happens. And I was like, I don't, I don't even know if my husband knows how to use glucagon. Like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm bad. I I had glucagon (laughs) since probably like 2003. Yeah. I think my glucagon is, I have it under my bed, but it's 10 years expired probably. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, but it is nice. Like your coworkers will look out for you and like, you know, just stupid stuff like getting like sugar-free ice cream for the ice cream social, which I'm like, I'm not going to eat that. That stuff is garbage, (laughs) but it's a nice thought, you know? (laughs) I had someone bring in something for Super Bowl Sunday. Um, some type of insane brownie cookie mix treat. And she's like, texted me that morning was like I'm bringing these brownies in this is what it has for sugar and carbs like I don't know if you have to bring extra supplies with you or anything she's like but I I just didn't know if you'd be able to have one and I was like oh that's really (laughs) sweet so nice (laughs) and yeah I'm gonna eat one of those (laughs) yeah I'm gonna take extra insulin like an hour before I eat that so I can have it yep thank you for the heads up (laughs) that's awesome so it definitely has its effects, positively and negatively. Um, I feel like in my situation where, like you were talking about teamwork and coworkers and stuff, like more of like the looking out aspect in the restaurant as opposed to like in the office, just kind of making sure people are aware. aware. Yeah. Um, but when I do wear my pot on my arm, like typically I'm fine with guests asking questions. It. It's just uh, the type two, type one misconception is like the frustrating part about it. But that's where, you know, that's where we come in as, as educating. Although I feel like some people still don't really grasp because of the word diabetes. There's, yeah, there's so many misconceptions and it's like, I feel like because I work with the same people day after day, I can sort of give like little micro doses of education almost. Yes. Whereas if you're constantly confronted with new people, just being yes. like, what's that thing on your arm? What's that thing on your arm? Like that would be much more annoying than yeah. me being like, oh, you know, yesterday when I said I was doing my blood sugar for this reason, like I can build off of That's that. That's a really good point, <laughs> actually. I also, I have coworkers who are really into Peloton and one of the Peloton trainers has an Omnipod. Oh my so God. that's been like a nice little like source of discussion that's too. Cool. Yeah. I don't know her name. I don't do Peloton. That's like way <laughs> too expensive I think it's like $3,000 for, for a Peloton. Right. Yeah. No, I'm not. Insulin even... is too expensive for that. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're like, oh, do you have, like, have you heard about that pod thing? And I'm like, I sure have. Like, let's <laughs> talk about it. oh my gosh um co-workers are like what make work bearable yes (laughs) yeah I was I I was explaining to one of mine today about what happened because she was like well why didn't you just say like you had to run to the bathroom and I was like you know I just I felt like I didn't I didn't even have that opportunity and I don't want anybody to worry and I just wanted to just go do my thing and then come back and 
It's all good. Yeah, well, that's where I feel like... I don't want you to start, like, sweating or pass out and stuff. I'm like, no, 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 that's low blood sugar. (laughs) I would have been fine, yeah. (laughs) I'm just going to, you know, have my sugars (laughs) jack up and do the opposite If you could get me a water, because I'm parched. Right, but that's where it is, like, if you... If you were in an emergency situation, you would have spoken up, but like, you know, your body probably well enough to be like, I can stick it out. I can run my food. I don't need to like make right. this an, a big deal. Right. The fact that I had the backup was security though. Like if I didn't even, if I didn't have a pot on me, it would be, it would have been a completely different situation. Right. If you know you need to leave and yeah. get in your car and yeah, not 100%. 100%. For a second. But yeah, so I think that's that's our careers. Yeah. And um I think we give a little bit of a taste of like hopefully where we're headed. Yeah, and maybe by the time we record more of these podcast episodes, we can both quit our jobs anyway. Yeah. And then we'll have new careers to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. This is the Just Be Just Podcast. Thank you. Goodbye. Just be Thanks for listening, and as always, feel free to connect with us on social media. You can email any feedback or topic ideas to justbetus at gmail.com. That's J-U-S-T-B-E-T-E-S at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at JustBetus or follow Jalene's T1 Journey at at Jalene T1D at J-I-L-L-E-E-N T1D.